Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, guys, welcome back to the SLC Dunk Podcast. I'm excited. Today we have a guest on the show, Anthony Irwin, Silver Screen and Roll, the Lakers blog. Everyone follows you on Twitter. If you haven't followed Anthony on Twitter, make sure and do it. Great follow. Uh, lots of fun. Um, but anyways, there's some news uh, that's been going on for months, and it's been heating up a little bit. Um, we've been ad nauseum hearing about trade rumors with Donovan Mitchell and the Knicks, but what's interesting is recently we've been hearing that the Lakers are kind of involved in different ways and there actually might be a possibility of maybe some sort of trade between the jazz and the lakers or maybe a trade uh multi-tree multi-team trade between jazz lakers knicks and some other teams um so i just wanted to kind of get your opinions on on the trade possibilities anthony and and some of the jazz players maybe you'd be interested in so i guess just to get started um for jazz fans could you explain a little bit about the assets the Lakers have that might be involved in a Russell Westbrook trade? We've talked about, we've heard about future picks for the Lakers, but what are those? So the picks that are currently involved or, or could potentially be involved are the 2027 and the 2029 first round picks. The reason those are both so valuable, especially for an executive like Danny Ainge, um, is that, you know, in that he has staying power with the Jazz, it seems like. Uh, those are going to basically purvey after LeBron's tenure with the Lakers. 2027, 2029, he will either be retired or he'll be playing with Bronny somewhere else or something. But I would imagine by that point, the, the Lakers organization will not be operating. They'll probably have some relationship with Clutch, but not to the extent that they have right now. And before LeBron showed up, they were in the middle of the worst stretch in franchise history. Then LeBron shows up, and yeah, they've won a championships, but the in a, a championship, but the other three years have been fairly irrelevant in terms of the title con- in, in legitimate title contention. They just haven't been a part of that conversation. So if you have, if you manage while LeBron James and Anthony Davis are in your organization to be irrelevant in the title picture, just imagine what you're going to look like in 2027 and 2029, right? And so for any executive that that trades for those two assets, those probably have about as high an upside as anything you could possibly obtain in in the market right now. Uh, I, I Now, do I think it's it's the kind of thing that you should move heaven and earth for? And is there a chance that the Lakers might figure some stuff out by then? Possibly. You know, we, they were in the middle of that dark stretch and LeBron still decided to come and play for the Lakers um, for whatever reason you want to believe. But I, for Danny Ainge, I'm sure he's salivating at the idea of betting on the Lakers being incompetent at that point in, in their franchise's history. Mm. Well, and they, they like you said, they have uh, 
they have huge value. And I mean, LeBron is is unreal. Just his ability, his longevity, and how long he's played. Yep. But he is very likely not going to be on the Lakers at that time. So, like you said, those have a lot of value. And so I'm sure that's why the Lakers front office is not super interested in getting rid of those. But they may have to. And the reason is uh, is Russell Westbrook. I uh, don't know how you guys got through last season with the Russell Westbrook experience. Alcohol, <laughs> like a lot, lots and lots of alcohol. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it was quite the experience. So it may be worth getting rid of, rid of one, possibly two of those picks. Uh, so I guess in your opinion, what are? It's an interesting question because Russell Westbrook's contract. I I can't remember how much that is, but it's a big contract. Forty seven million dollars expiring this year. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah, forty-seven million, and so, <laughs> <laughs> and so it's this conundrum the Lakers are in because you just have Le- LeBron just recently re-signed for a short-term contract, so you do have him for the short term at least. But so it's kind of like you have to take advantage of next season of having LeBron, and you can't really do that with Russell Westbrook. So, I guess if the Jazz and and the Lakers made a trade, what are you willing to like? I guess I'm trying to gauge what your opinion is of the value of those picks. Like is one pick of those worth just getting rid of Russell Westbrook? And what would it take to give away two if you were doing a trade with the jazz? So the Lakers clearly have pushed back on this all off season that, uh, and and the market has basically dictated that it's going to cost one first rounder to move Russell Westbrook's contract and Russell Westbrook, by the way, who's like it, the thing that the Lakers are really ignoring here is Russ's reputation around the league, right? They've Russ previously at every stop he's been at, you would always hear, yeah, he's inefficient. Yeah. He dominates the ball. Yeah. He is boisterous and he is loud and out there. Right. Um, But he's a good teammate and he's willing to do, to do whatever it takes to win. And I think for the most part, most people bought that because it was so loud from every stop to this point. But for whatever reason, and he's not alone in this, I think everybody involved with last season was the worst version of of themselves. But for whatever reason last year, Russ wasn't willing to do everything that it took to win. And anytime he was asked to do things like, I don't know, care on defense and set screens and move without the ball, he would hold up his resume and say those things are beneath him. Those things are not things that somebody with his Hall of Fame resume, and again, we should be clear, it is a Hall of Fame resume. He shouldn't have to do those things. Um, it sounded a lot like Allen Iverson at the end of his career where mm-hmm. people were telling him, hey, man, stop diving so much for steals. We need you to be a little bit more predictable on defense. And and he would do the whole, I'm Allen Iverson. And we saw how that ended for him. His career was cut kind of short uh, because of his pride in his own game and his own resume. And and I think here with Russ, I think we're probably going to see a similar end to it. So it's not just the contract that you're trying to move if you're the Lakers. It's the player <laughs> attached to that contract who is still very difficult to deal with by what we saw from last season. So I think it's going to, it's going to, it's always cost, or it was always going to cost one first rounder to move Russell Westbrook. And then if you want to get anything back that helps your team, it's going to cost another first rounder. <laughs> it, it, it's been funny. Like if, if I was just to say in a vacuum, hey, the Lakers made a trade with the Utah Jazz 
and they traded for Patrick Beverly, Bojan Bogdanovic, and whatever, right? If I was just to say that that was the return on that, what would that probably cost? Most people would say a first-round pick. It's like, yeah, that's what the market (laughs) usually is for useful players, and both of those guys are, are going to be useful next season. And so no matter what the Lakers want to believe here and what reality they would like to live in, the actual reality that they have to deal with here is that it is going to cost one first runner to move Russ. It's going to cost another one to get something back that gives you a puncher's chance of winning a championship next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned a couple players. Uh, well, just two things off of what you said. Um, it is, if the jazz, I was thinking about this, you know, if Russell Westbrook comes to the jazz, it's going to be one of the craziest like <laughs> scenarios because, you know, he we has know such a Russ- great relationship with your fans out there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, <laughs> I don't know. I wonder if, if so, I, I, it's just, it'll be kind of hilarious, but I assume that if he gets traded to the Utah jazz, it'll be kind of a situation out. like that, or it's kind of like a situation with John wall in Houston. And mm-hmm. maybe he's just not playing. And then Danny Ainge looks for someone who might give something for him. You know, it, mm-hmm. that's what I assume something like that bought out or just, you know, who knows? But he's yeah. not going to – I doubt he's going to play because even if he did come over and play, the Jazz are interested in losing a lot of games. And mm-hmm. as frustrating as Russell Westbrook was for the Lakers – A winning team, assume, yeah. Yeah, for a losing team like the Jazz that wants to lose, I think he actually raises that floor a tiny bit mm-hmm. and like yeah. would win some games against some bad teams that you probably don't want to win. And so, yeah, I just don't see him playing. So anyways, he's, you kind of mentioned – oh, go ahead. Well, he's he's productive. Like for, for all of his faults, he's still very productive. He can fill up the stat sheet. He knows where to be on rebounds. He knows how to read a defense and how to make passes to players who are in the right positions. Um, you know, and, and if he is just given free reign to go out there and score, he can go out and score 20 ish points a night, you know, 17 to 20 points a night. Those are, and, and if you're trying to lose, then you don't want that kind of productivity. You you and and if you if you're trying to lose and keep up with some of the other teams that are really going to be trying to lose, like you don't want that kind of productivity. So I I, I agree. I think if he is traded to Utah, it, he won't be in Utah for very long. No, I will say I will buy a Westbrook Utah Jazz jersey because that would just be <laughs> that would be just funny to me. But anyway, so 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 <laughs> you kind of mentioned it. Uh, what are like if you're trading two first rounds round picks to the Jazz to get rid of Russell Westbrook's contract, um, and then to bring in some players? Were the, those players you mentioned, Patrick Beverly and Boyan, are those two of the players you would be interested in, or is there anyone else that you might like? Mike Conley, are you guys interested in a Mike Conley or something like that? Well, so one theory that I have right now about what the Lakers are trying to do is, uh, like the. It was funny. Brooklyn put out that statement that like everything is hunky dory. We're all going to move forward. Everything is fantastic, right? That nobody believed. <laughs> no, it was it, they. They should have sent out the tweet of the everything is fine dog. Like it, that's that would have been more yeah. honest and what everything was what, what was actually going on there. Um, and and one of the things, one of the poorly kept secrets around the NBA right now is that even if the Lakers and the reason why the Lakers were hoping to get Kyrie for just a first round pick, if they were to trade um, Kevin Durant was look, Kyrie's going to be a Laker next year anyway. And 
just get something while you can for him. Now, it turns out that they were able to convince Kevin Durant to stick around and they're going to move forward as such. But uh, the whispers about Russell Westbrook or, or Kyrie Irving signing with the Lakers in free agency haven't subsided at, to the extent that I think the Brooklyn Nets would, would like them to. So the the reason I say all of that is because you mentioned Mike Conley. In a, in, a, in a vacuum, if I was just interested in, in helping the Lakers' chances of winning next year, Mike Conley is the guy I would probably want to trade for because he runs a pick-and-roll really well, great in transition off of, uh, off of threes, um, whether he's dribbling or catching the ball. Um, he, he would be the best pick-and-roll ball handler the Lakers have had since LeBron showed up, basically. You know, you could say maybe Rajon Rondo, but he isn't threat to pull up and shoot the way that Conley is. Uh, so I would love for the Lakers to trade for Conley, but I don't think they want to because his contract extends a year beyond this upcoming season. So uh, if what you're looking at is just expirings next year, you know, you look at Bogdanovich, he's at 19 and a half expiring. Uh, you're looking at Patrick Beverly, who's at 13 million and, and he's expiring. Those are the two guys that were immediately attacked or, or kind of tied to the Lakers when reports uh were when the brooklyn nets made their statement and i don't think it's a coincidence because the lakers are trying to maintain their flexibility now you could technically move conley and you could technically move somebody like malik beasley um and their two-year contract if you absolutely have to if you have a chance at signing somebody like Kyrie irving uh but i think the lakers would prefer to just keep that powder completely dry and that's why i thought the you, I, it wasn't a coincidence that uh, Bojan Bogdanovic and Patrick Beverly were the two names just immediately linked to the Lakers. Mm-hmm. And they make sense. I actually, in some ways, kind of like Patrick Beverly a little more than Conley, if I'm just the Lakers, just from watching yeah. Conley last season. Conley was interesting this year and the last two years, really, because it felt like some of the struggles he had when he first came to the Jazz, I think he was just, he struggled learning to play off of Donovan Mitchell. And I think yeah. one thing that's nice for him is he's spent two years kind of learn, learning to be that off-ball guy. Um, his three-point percentage uh, the year before last when he made the All-Star team was was crazy good. So he mm-hmm. is an elite spot-up shooter. And the only thing with Conley is, man, the defense is just not Yeah, what it he can't was. move. He can't. And it's, it's, it's kind of a problem. That's why I think Patrick Beverly kind of fits a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he can fill that that defensive guard role that you guys were missing last year. Well, Patrick Beverly is kind of like a three and D guard, right? We always hear about three and D wings, three and D wings and and how, and look, I'm the person beating that drum as much as anybody, how I think those are the most valuable role players in the NBA. Uh, Patrick Beverly is that like the Lakers, it, it back when they won a championship, the player who had the highest uh, net rating on their roster wasn't AD alongside LeBron. It was Alex Caruso. It was a three and D yes, point guard. Exactly. It was it was somebody who can go out there and play good, smart defense, whether it's on ball or off of it, uh, and can also hit threes in a way that makes defenses care when they're seeing their wide open. So yeah, Patrick Beverly would fit really well with the Lakers, and like I also think his attitude towards basketball is something that they really need. I, I think they they really missed uh, since you know, basically the last couple of seasons they really missed that just kind of really physical, loud, 
the kind of guy who takes the pressure off of LeBron from other fans. Like everybody <laughs> who's playing against Patrick Beverly or whose team is playing against Patrick Beverly hates Patrick Beverly. But everybody who he plays for, all those fans love Patrick Beverly. And I think that attitude, that like in your face F you attitude is something that the Lakers would really enjoy or could really use if he was one of the targets that they land. Well, just you just reminded me. I mean, I don't know if anyone hates Patrick Beverly more than Russell Westbrook. So I can't imagine a scenario <laughs> where Russell Westbrook goes to Salt Lake City <laughs> and gets replaced by Patrick Beverly. That would yeah. be just uh, make them the Christmas be... game. It's like, like just change up the schedule. <laughs> yeah, give us a, we only have the Jazz only have one national game, so give us two and let's watch that. But I, oh my yeah. gosh, that would be just that would be fireworks. But the, I actually do think Boyan is just a perfect fit next yeah. to LeBron. He's, he's he, you know, he's one of those interesting players where defensively it feels like he ups his level to average level defender in the playoffs i don't know if that makes sense like he's, no it does it does yeah. he like comes average which is like good enough because he yeah. offensively is so efficient uh it's he, like when harrison and i podcast we both go from like below average to average like we, <laughs> right. we both most of our games get just just better enough that we're like an adequate podcast yeah that's right <laughs> exactly so he's 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 kind of like that. He's silver screen and roll level blogger. Uh, but he, uh, <laughs> but he no, he is like a forty to forty five percent three point shooter, typically mm-hmm. in that range. Uh, so obviously, kind of, and you know the thing is that you know here in Utah we kind of learned about him is he's a good post player. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of great things happen when he's dribbling the ball and going to the rim. It's he's one yeah. of those guys that gets it stolen all the time. They'll you'll pull your hair out. But yeah. like if he gets it in the post on a mismatch, he's actually really high level, one of the better players in the league, actually. And so mm-hmm. you can you can see him being a nice kind of secondary third option, uh, depending on if he's playing with the bench or if he's starting. He he really fills that kind of third best scorer role pretty well, um, especially yeah. just as a three point shooter. I mean, getting set up he's by LeBron is no one better. He's a big, thick big. body that, that uh, you know, the Lakers basically, even back when they won a championship, they really struggled against big wings, um, not just because big wings are difficult to defend, right? Big wings, you're think, you're, you're, especially the elite ones, those are the Kawhis of the world, the LeBrons, the Kevin Durants, like those, those guys that it, it, nobody is going to go out there and stop them. You're hoping to make them work. And one way to make them work is just to be big and lean on them. And in, in Bogdanovich's case, he's such a good shooter that it forces those guys to pay attention on defense, which, which does kind of add to the wear and tear that, that, that matters over the course of a game. I've always really liked Bogdanovich's game. It, it was kind of too bad. I thought, um, I thought we kind of saw a transition and you, you'd be able to speak to this better than I can, but I, I don't think we've ever found like a middle of the ground Utah jazz team when Donovan and when Rudy were there, that it was either way too defensive minded with no spacing or way too much space with no defense. Ah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I just thought that, uh, you know, if, if they could have found some more athleticism around somebody like Bogdanovich and with, with those guys there, that I thought that would have been a, a combination that made more sense. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, that's why. I mean, I mean, that's oh yeah, we're opening up old wounds here. But it's <laughs> it's because you know from the beginning it was tough because you have Donovan Mitchell and and Mike Conley. You're just immediately undersized, yep. just immediately. And Donovan Mitchell's athletic and he's got long arms, but he, you know, he's not a defensive stopper and he mm-hmm. doesn't seem to try. Like, which sometimes is pretty shocking. And even in the playoffs last year, there's more problems going on with the Jazz than I think Jazz fans even realize. And and I actually, and maybe we can transition a little bit here to like the Knicks and maybe there's some mm-hmm. players on the Knicks, but yeah, uh, that's one thing that the Lakers have is just size and Bogdanovich would fit really well with that. He also shoots well, I guess I just a quick question. What is going on with Anthony Davis? Because he struck fear into my heart two years ago. And then last year it was like, he got monstered and I don't know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I still think the Lakers can be pretty dangerous if they make this trade and they have pieces that fit better around LeBron and Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. What are you expecting from Davis next year? So Davis is one of the more, and I got to be careful. No, I don't. He's one of the more maddening talents that I've up. seen. Yeah. Like he's, he's, he's just, he's so immensely talented, right? He's this legitimate seven-foot dude with forever long arms, crazy athleticism, um, and there is a very clear way that he can play the game and be the most efficient, effective version of himself, right? It's him playing center where he's ro- rolling to the rim and he's running the rim and he's defecting, uh, defending the rim on the other end, like just just inside out as, as, as a focus for him. But f- he's also so talented that he has convinced himself he's Hakeem Olajuwon without like the ability to knock down the shots in the same way that Hakeem did. And, you know, we, we see this a lot of times with, with bigs. I, I kind of see them almost like wide receivers in the NFL where there's this clear way that you can be the most effective version of yourself, but you decide you want to play the game in a certain way that doesn't necessarily help you. Right. We, we saw it with Dwight Howard where he was, kind of the epitome of this all-time great inside-out big, finishing on on rolls with dunking on entire cities at a time, wiping out uh, the interior of, of these other offensive approaches to the game. And then he started wanting post touches. 
and he, he he became you know an annoying lesser version of himself and he wound up bouncing around the league as a result we we started to see it with deandre ayton where he's deciding yeah i here's the things that i'm really really good at but now here's what i want to do and phoenix decided well if you're going to want to be that kind of player we don't want to pay you like a max player and i think like the thing that i love about Jokic is and i know you know uh complimenting Jokic on a jazz podcast probably isn't the best approach here but the thing <laughs> well, that i love about <laughs> they're awesome so like i i the thing I love about Jokic and the thing I loved about Shaq when he was a Laker was they never got bored beating the crap out of you in a certain way. It was just, all right, if, if for Shaq, if, it, if, if what it was was drop step one power dribble, rise up and dunk on your entire team, he would do that 45 times and be perfectly content with doing that 45 times. Jokic, if, if there's a scab that he can continue to pick over and over and over again, he's going to do that until your team can no longer function defensively the way that they want to. I think Anthony Davis, there are ways that he could pick at a scab over and over and over again, but he will move away from that scab and, 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 and make himself less effective. And, and, I, and I think last year was, was kind of, and again, like I said this earlier with Russ, I thought Anthony Davis was the worst version of himself last year, even when he was healthy, where he started the season and he, he decided he was going to bulk up to play center and play center in the same way that like the 90s centers played it. And he was a lesser version of himself. He wasn't as good. He usually torched Rudy Gobert and he couldn't get around him last year because he was bigger. Now, some people say that he was out of shape. Some people say he bulked up, whatever, whatever the reason might be for it, but he just wasn't himself. And then finally, you know, um, ironically, he turned his, his foot on Rudy Gobert when he was playing the closest to uh, bubble Anthony Davis levels. But what that looked like, he first got, he first like tweaked his knee and he really thinned out to lighten the load on that knee and looked when he came back, looked super explosive, started to look like that Anthony Davis. And then he tweaks his foot on Rudy Gobert and his season is essentially over. But yeah, I think with Anthony Davis, it's, it's, it's always the same thing with him. He doesn't want to play center. He doesn't want to play center in a modern way. And if he is going to do that, it's only going to be for short bursts because he's concerned he's going to get hurt when really the way that he's going to get himself hurt and the way that he did wind up getting himself hurt was to bulk up and do things in, in a way that don't make much sense for him. Mm. Well, interesting. I mean, you know what? I I wanted to. Well, I I he honestly in the bubble was devastating. It was incredible. I mean, he was unreal. I mean, he looked yeah. like the best player in the NBA, and he was on LeBron's team, and he just looked. I mean, he was not. I I don't know. And when he has that mid range game going, he really mm -hmm. is just. I mean, I just don't know how you guard him. I mean, we've watched Utah play Anthony Davis, and you know we root for Rudy Gobert, and Davis would just score anyway it was just yeah. wild so I, if he comes back to his old form then i think the lakers that's to me like the x factor for the lakers yeah really and if they can well, make a trade like this happen you mentioned it it's the shooting right it's if he is going to play power forward which like if the lakers make the indiana pacers deal and bring miles turner into the fold then anthony davis would be playing essentially the four if he He's athletic enough and he's talented enough to do that and still be one of the better power forwards in the NBA. But last year he shot 18% on three-pointers. Like that's mm -hmm. that's slightly better than you and I would. You know, if we if we were to go out there into the gym <laughs> and shoot 53 pointers, you know, 
it all we would have to do is make nine. I think I could do that. I think I could maybe do that. I could make nine out of fifty three pointers and be as good as Anthony Davis was last year. Um, it got to the point where he stopped taking him, and uh, if he is going to play power forward, he has to knock down three pointers at at least like a thirty percent rate. And he has to knock down those mid-range jumpers at like a 55-ish percent rate. And so long as he doesn't do that, then, yeah, he's just – I I got some flack last year for calling him like bad Gallinari, you know, because he's capable of playing <laughs> – he's capable of playing in such a explosive and dominating fashion. And instead, he started turning himself into this jump shooter that isn't good at jump shooting. Mm-hmm. Well – uh, I have to say, and maybe I can transition. I don't want to take too much of your time, but uh, I do think having like a Bojan Bogdanovic and a Patrick Beverly that can spread the floor can make his life much easier. You mm-hmm. know, I wonder if just that situation that they were in with Westbrook, like you kind of talked about earlier, and just the frustrations that were likely going on really contributed to that. And if you had a spread floor, I mean, that's one of the reasons why the Jazz had that historic offensive regular season. Boyan yeah. was a big part of that, just spreading that floor. And I think that helps them out. So I, I'm actually a little, after talking with you, I'm actually, I think that August 30th is going to be a, might be when fireworks start happening again. Absolutely. When like a trade finally happens. And I think it's because someone like Patrick Beverly is available. And I think these stalemates we've seen with the Knicks and the Jazz, I've honestly, there's every day, there's a new rumor. There's a new the Jazz like R.J. Barrett. The Jazz don't like R.J. Barrett. The Knicks want to mm-hmm. give – the Jazz asked for seven. The Knicks wanted to give three. Like, it's every day. And I actually think this August 30th date might be the thing that changes it because I wonder if it is going to be some sort of three-team trade where the Lakers mm-hmm. give, like, two un- unprotected firsts to Utah. And this is me putting on my conspiracy uh, mm-hmm. tinfoil hat, but we got that rumor – I don't know if it was today or yesterday, but Danny Ainge wants unprotected picks. And I wonder if that they can make that happen with the Knicks, but they might be Lakers unprotected picks. I don't know. So obviously in a trade like that, Donovan Mitchell is going to the Knicks. Uh, the Jazz are going to hope for picks from the Lakers. Um, the Jazz are probably bringing back someone like Evan Fournier, unless the Lakers were interested in someone like that. But is there are there players... I, I guess we've already talked about the jazz players, but would the Lakers be interested in a reunion with Julius Randall or something like that? Would they be interested? Are there Knicks players that the Lakers would be interested in? So essentially if the Lakers are giving up both, uh, both of their first rounders, they want players who can help that are on expiring contracts. If they're getting back money that extends beyond this upcoming season, then they aren't, they're really not going to be interested in, in moving that second first round pick. Cause Essentially, the way that they look at it is, well, hold on. If it's going to cost us a first runner to move our bag contract and it expires at the end of the season, then why wouldn't it also cost a team that's moving a, a similarly bad contract that first rounder? Why wouldn't those those bad contracts cancel each other out and, and allow for that, that cost to be a, a little bit more mitigated? So I think... You know, if you're talking about Fournier, if you're talking about Randall, previously we talked about Conley and 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 guys like that. Like if if the Lakers are taking money that it, that would hurt their chances at being players in this upcoming free agency, which is pretty stacked, mm-hmm. they uh, won't be looking to move that second first rounder. Now, maybe things change as you get closer to training camp opening, and 
these teams see that as a deadline and, you know, deadline is, is usually the thing that finally gets people to do anything in the NBA. They're, they're very much like, you know, undergrad college students in that they just, they will not do anything until they absolutely have to turn it in 15 minutes later. Um, and I think from the Knicks, like Evan Fournier could technically help, but I don't think he's nearly worth the, the headache that his contract would bring about. Julius Randle might make some sense, but that forces AD into playing almost primarily the center, and that's not something he's necessarily interested in doing. Uh, and, and yeah, I think if there is any kind of a three-team deal, it would almost it would almost look like the Lakers would be getting involved with some like periphery contracts, whether it's Taylor Horton Tucker, Kendrick Nunn, guys like that, that, you know, have enough contract that add up to say like Patrick Beverly's number and you include two second round picks and you essentially like help make a deal happen. You get rid of somebody like THT who has never fit into this timeline that the Lakers are currently on more closely fits in what they're doing in Utah um, and you bring back somebody like uh, Patrick Beverly. That's something that I would I would see more likely than the Lakers, including both of those two first round picks, to bring back some bad contracts from the Knicks. Great. Uh, I guess just final thing. You mentioned the Pacers, which they are interesting. Like, and now I can see why you're kind of interested in the Pacers with Miles Turner could be a really nice fit next to to AD. Is there any? What are you? How do you see the Pacers fitting into? one of these deals? Uh, well, I think right now, so there's essentially, I, I said this in yesterday's uh, lowdown, that the three paths that the Lakers have in front of them here with Russell Westbrook is sending him to Utah and getting back the guys that we've been talking about, sending him to Indiana and getting back Miles Turner and Buddy Heald, and then going out and signing like Dennis Schroeder to, to help with your backcourt depth that you would be getting rid of. Um, or path number C or door number three here is just bringing him back. Now, I don't think door number three is particularly sustainable. Jeannie Buss was asked about like what she's excited about next season, and she listed Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Kendrick Nunn. So it's like the thing that goes unmentioned there is is your $47 million point guard, uh, who you called Kobe's heir. So I don't think uh, door number three is, protect, uh, is particularly um, operative. So... That goes out the window. And now you're looking at Indiana or Utah. And I, I think the likeliest outcome here is is that the Lakers send him to Indiana. And again, he gets bought out, probably goes back to Washington. But I think uh, if you go the Indiana route, you get back Miles Turner. It makes it your, your front court is super jammed because they went out and signed two centers this year. And, and um, I can't believe Damian Jones and... Thomas Bryant, and then you also have Anthony Davis, and then you trade for Miles Turner. So you're super cramped in that in that power forward set, power forward center spot. Those guys can technically play together, but you're now a very retro team up front, and you don't have any wing depth. So uh, you, you trade for Buddy Heald, who is an absolute gunner and and would be the best shooter that the Lakers have had in a really long time. And then again, like you go out and you trade or you sign. Dennis Schroeder on the minimum, and because he's on the minimum, he doesn't get to like demand to start the way that he did a couple seasons ago. And I think that's probably the likeliest path forward here. But uh, wing depth is what matters for role players in the NBA. And, and Bogdanovich, to me, I think you could really make the case for him as being the most intriguing guy here. So one potential three-team trade that you're looking at is if the Lakers are somehow able to do 
a you know either a, a Turner or Heald and Bogdanovich kind of a thing where you send picks to somewhere and one of those teams takes on Russell Westbrook's contract, the other of those teams gets you know one of the other bad contracts that they might want to get rid of and a first rounder. Um, that might play out, but I think it's more likely it's an either or thing here. Awesome. Well, Anthony, thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Um, no, any, any time, man, any time that you, uh, you, you want me to hop on and, and slander Rudy Gobert in ways that, you know, <laughs> the home market might not be interested in it. Let me know. And I'm always game. <laughs> well, I mean, Jazz fan. I mean, yeah, jazz fans love Rudy Gobert, and jazz fans love to get mad at people who slander Rudy Gobert. So maybe it's the right thing <laughs> no, to do. I know. <laughs> I think I said uh, one time that Rudy Gobert shouldn't win the Nobel Prize, and my mentions were a disaster for like a week. Just like, yeah, you guys, you guys came up with this. Was it Bin Binet Biombo or something like that? Uh, and I yeah. have to say, even that got under my skin. So you guys yeah. successfully. Yeah, baguette biombo. Baguette, yeah, there was, you go. Baguette yeah. biombo, there you go. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. See, I I remember that slander, so it was a good one. So, mm-hmm. uh, but anyways, uh, it'll be interesting to see. I I would not be surprised, you know, especially after talking to you, that a trade might happen. It does seem like there's a lot of things that make sense, and so yeah. We'll, well see what the, happens. You you mentioned August thirtieth. Uh, August thirtieth. Yeah, and um. Yeah, that, that's when those guys can be traded. And I think that is, uh, it, it's worth noting, not just like from the perspective of these teams might make a deal together, but the Lakers can finally say they have options when they go back to Indiana. So essentially what I think they're going to do is play the one off of the other. Because I think both of those front offices really want at least one of those first round picks. And the Lakers are basically going to hold out until one team accepts a trade for only the one pick. And if that, if they if neither team is willing to take the one First round pick, then I think they probably go and they flip both of them to Indiana. But but you know what? I've been wrong plenty, especially this offseason, uh, about the what what all of this stuff is all all going to mean. Yeah. Well, well, thank you again, guys. Uh, if you want, or well, no, not if you want, you better go follow Anthony Irwin, <laughs> uh, Anthony Irwin LA on Twitter. And uh, if you're a listener to the podcast, make sure and and subscribe and leave a review. That'd be great. If you're listening to YouTube subscribe as well and and leave a like but thank you again anthony i guess we'll we'll talk to you next time thank you very much for having me